Blog Talk Radio. I've run out of answers, I've run out of time, and I'm so confused that I'm losing my mind. It's gonna take a miracle to help me this time. I'm traveling a road that has not one time.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. <clears throat> Mr. Ruben studied this morning, and I need an angel. Hallelujah. Nothing wrong with who you need. Yeah, if you're needing the right people, I need Jesus this morning. Yeah, Lord, that's who I need. Almighty God, and have all the power. Thankful unto him this morning, and we're going to have some testimonies again today uh, that's going to share with us. Because I know this, I know that if he did it for these people, he'll do it for me. Yeah, if he healed her diabetes, well, he'll heal me of high blood pressure, eye problems, all this kind of thing. Yeah, he'll heal me. So we're overcome, too, by testimonies and the blood of the Lamb. Yeah, the enemy don't like that. He'll tell on you. Yes, he will. Go to Revelation and take a look. He will tell on you. Then you tell Barbara not to do this and this. She did this and that. Yeah. So if you don't want me to have no sunshine, period. Nothing but rain. Yeah. Bad weather all the time in my life. But greater this morning again is he that lives within me than he that is in the world. And so I'm thankful unto Almighty God for all he has done, what he's doing right now. And what he's going to do. Great and mighty things for us. We're his people. And this is what he's going to do for us. But we must learn to walk according to his word. And put a stop to our flesh. Because our flesh will get us in trouble every time. Every time. That tr- that flesh will get you in trouble. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank God that he's blessing me. To stay out of trouble. Because that's my prayer too. Yeah. I don't want to be in a place where I shouldn't be. I want to be where I should be in God. Hallelujah. It's not that hard. I know we think it is. But once you learn to bury your flesh, not walk according to you, but walk according to what God said in the spirit of God, it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. It gets easier and easier. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, Brother Louis, I got it. I got it. I don't think I really got to go nowhere this weekend, so the cold, it's okay. It's okay, yeah, uh, this weekend. But, yeah, we got some testimonies and um, uh, a testimony, and I wanted to share it with you, and uh, we can talk about it afterwards if you want to. Uh, a lot of things I hear, I, I take. Because I never knew what went on in this religion or, or that religion. I, I knew a very tiny bit about the Muslim religion. Just a little bit. Know just a tiny bit about the Jehovah Witness. Not a whole lot. And, uh, you know, some other religions I, I know nothing about. Because I've never been a part. You know what I'm saying? And the scripture teach me, you know, don't even open your doors for me. Yeah, we got Jesus, and oh, Lord, that is more than enough, I'm telling you. So, um, you know, sometimes it's exciting to me, or it's interesting, I should say, interesting to me when I see that someone has come out from under this religion, and then they tell why. Yeah, they tell why. And so I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Listen, let's go to prayer, and uh, after prayer, I think we're going to take a listen uh, to a message. And uh, after that, we're going in and bring the testimony. 
Yeah. I'm looking for the message now. I think I played it the other day. But I was led to bring it back again. Uh, y'all bear with me. Okay, there you go. Uh, all right, let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning. Thank you for life, health, and strength. Father, thank you for waking us up. We thank you for being clothed in our right minds. We thank you for the use and activity of limbs, life, health, and strength. Father, it could have been so different this morning. We all could have been gone, or the majority of us could have been gone. But you yet allowed us, Lord, to stay, and we shall live and not die to declare the works of you, the works of the Lord. And, Father, we thank you for this life. It may not be all that we desire, and we may be looking at other people, looking at, but, God, we thank you for this life, the life that you've given unto us. And, Father, we ask today, in the name of Jesus, that you would teach us how to be grateful, teach us how to be thankful, teach us how to appreciate you, teach us how to love you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning for asking this of you. We thank you. We thank you. Because without you, we can do nothing. We come this morning, Father, bringing every call and every listener, asking that you would bless them and bless their families and friends near and far. Father, I ask that you would send uncommon favor, uncommon blessings their way today. In the name of Jesus, January 31st, 2023. Today, oh God, move for your people in a mighty way. And Father, we bring those that are sick, ask that you would send your healing power this morning. Father, it was you that took the beating for the healing of the nation. There's yet healing in the hymn of your garment. And Father, this morning, yet again, you heal all manner of sickness and disease. Do it for your people today in the name of Jesus. Father, bless those that are incarcerated, those that are in every branch of the military, widowers, bereaved families, intercessory prayer people, preachers everywhere, preaching in the name of Jesus and obedience unto you and love for your people. Father, bless Israel and prosper Jerusalem. Continue to bless our brothers and sisters overseas. Lord, you know what they stand in the need of this morning. Move by your spirit for each and every one of them. And God, Father, I thank you for bringing these people my way. God, take a listen to what you have to say to the church. Move for them and move for their children, oh God in that their grandchildren move in a mighty way in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we thank you for this America. And, God, we ask that you would have mercy and that you would bring us all back to you on our knees wholeheartedly and repent us unto you. And that, God, we will see that without you we can do nothing. Bless this leadership, our leadership. Have mercy upon them, O oh God. Fix their hearts and regulate their minds. Remind them that you're almighty God that have all power, and there is no higher power. Father, remind them that your eyes are in every place. You're beholding the evil and the good today. In the name of Jesus, we ask, and we thank you right now. We thank you, Father. We give you glory. We give you honor. And, Father, we give you praise. Bless this segment of Jesus in the morning. Have your way here today. Father, move by your spirit. Feed us until we want no more. Teach us your ways today. Right here, God, in the name of Jesus, we give you glory. We give you honor and praise. And, Father, we ask it all again in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. 
I think we heard this, uh, make my life a miracle. But this morning, I'm led to go right back here first, and then we're coming on with the testimonies. Hallelujah. I want to remind you today that a billion starts with the number one. And that's where you and I come in. I have a word today from God, and I don't hesitate to say that. I'm too old to worry about looking good anymore. <laughs> when I come to speak somewhere, especially here, I just say, God, what do you want to say? These are your people. What do you want to say? Because we have to get this now. We've got to be a people of truth. We've got to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because the days are short. Number one, you're going to need the knowledge of Christ for stability in these times. If you don't really know who you are in Christ, not only will you not make a difference, but you won't be able to stand. There's, there's a coming storm into this world, folks, that is going to be beyond anything we've ever seen in our lifetime. The promise of God is that, is that if we hear the words of God, as, you, as you're going to hear today, and we do them, that when the rains come and the, the floods come and the wind beats on your house, it won't fall. It will stand. It can't be taken down because Christ is the cornerstone of your heart and of your life. Thank God. Thank God for that. You and I are destined to be miracles in the hands of God. And I'm not saying that lightly. Every life, Christ died and rose again from the dead, took captivity captive, and gave gifts, not only salvation, but gifts to us that we might be, as the Scripture says, a people wondered at. We, you and I might be a people that, that this world looks at as they did on the day of Pentecost and say, how do you get a relationship with God like that? And where did you get the ability to do the things that you're doing? Remember on the day of Pentecost, people were just kind of going about their, their kind of religious day as, as, as it was, and they suddenly encountered 120 people that God was speaking through. And they were given abilities and giftings to do things they didn't have the normal, uh, natural ability to do. They were speaking in languages they had never learned. And every one of them were speaking about the wonderful things that God is able to do. Amazing. They weren't speaking about themselves. They weren't babbling into the wind. They weren't behaving like fools. They, they were actually speaking about God and about what God is able to do in hearts that are surrendered to Him. People passing by looked at this and said, Whatever, whatever they've found of God, that's what I want in my life. And this is God's purpose for his church. Always has been his purpose for his church. You know, folks, we're not, we're not left on the earth to be an argument about his existence. We're led to be a demonstration of the reality that he is alive. He has been raised from the dead. He did take captivity captive. He, he does indwell a body on the earth called his church. And, and I'm not called, you're not called just to be an argument. Yes, we have to know doctrine, we have to know truth, but I fear for this generation and perhaps one or two before it that we, we've almost relegated to an argument. And if you'll notice, in this generation, nobody's interested in our argument anymore. Ah, but that's where God comes in. That's where God begins to do something in us and through us that, that people can't deny. This is what happened with the Apostle Paul. I want to talk about that. This afternoon from 1 Timothy chapter 1. That's where we're going to start. A message called, Make My Life a Miracle. Can you say that? Can you really say that? Can you mean that? 
that I want my life to be a miracle. You know, God's willing to answer that prayer. And so, Father, I do pray, God, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit that has been so evident throughout this entire service, the whole day, actually. The worship has been amazing. Your presence has been here, Lord. You already came in advance just to confirm what you want to speak to every heart. And so, Lord, would you give me the ability to speak this today, and would you give us the ears to hear? God, you yourself, Jesus, spoke to the churches in Revelation, and you, you, would, you would put a cornerstone on it by saying, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is speaking to the churches. God, there were warnings there, but there were great promises to each church, Father. So I, I do pray, God, open our ears and open our hearts, Lord, to be able to hear. Don't let us just be a people who are always learning but denying what you want to do in and through each of our lives. Give us the grace, my God, that we need to be able to hear. All of us, Lord. No exceptions. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Make my life a miracle. Paul the Apostle to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me. <laughs> Hallelujah. I could preach for an hour on that one line. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me. In other words, Paul's saying he didn't call me because I had certain skill sets. He didn't call me because I had a history of faithfulness or certificates on my wall or had achieved things in the religious world. He enabled me to be the person that I became, to do the things that I'm now doing, to have the heart that I now have, because he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. In other words, Paul says, the one thing I had is a heart for him. And God knew that when he began to reveal himself in me and through me, that I, I would go with him. And he put me, because of it, into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, in other words, I, I cursed his name. I used to do that when I was a cop. We'd play cards at lunchtime. and I had a habit of cursing the name of Jesus Christ to my shame. Paul said, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an, an insolent or a violent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. I, I believed God, and I knew that he loved me. That's why he died for me. And his, his grace, his, his ability that he was willing to give me, the favor that he was willing to pour into my life was, was exceedingly abundant. It was, it was, it was more than I could even ask or think, beyond what I thought God would ever do in my life. He goes on in verse 15, he says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him forever lasting life. And Paul was saying, I was the worst of the worst as sinners. I was a blasphemer of God. I was an angry man. I persecuted the church of Jesus Christ, and I, I did violent things to the people of God and, and others, I'm sure, in his life. But he called me, and his love was shed abroad in my heart, and that in me first he might show other people that he's willing to take us no matter where we come from doesn't matter your background. I don't care how many years you've been in jail. 
None of it matters or the things that you've done in the past. But he's willing to take you. He's willing to take me. And he's willing to use our lives for his glory, even though it may take a while for him to get through to us. That that's really his intent and his purpose in each one of our lives. From being a blasphemer and a persecutor, Paul's life was made an undeniable testimony of the power of God. And it either had to be accepted or rejected, but never ignored. Never ignored. This is the desire of my heart. God, every room I walk into, every, every environment that you invite me into, let the testimony of your life in my life cause people to either bend the knee or pick up rocks to throw them at me, or, but never let it be ignored. Let there be a trembling in the hearts of even rulers who hear of who you are and what you're able to do. Many people knelt when they heard Paul's story. Others raged and even rulers trembled. Because here was a man fully surrendered and gripped by the presence and power of God. I remember the story of D.L. Moody, who was just a young man. I think he was about 15 years old, and he was, worked in a, in a shoemaker's shop. And a Sunday school teacher had a burden to go talk to him, and they were sitting on a park bench. And the Sunday school teacher said to him, Dwight, he said, the world is yet to see what God could do through a vessel that was fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And he just got up, the Sunday school teacher, and he walked away. And as I read one of Moody's biographies, it says that he sat there and he said these words, By the Holy Spirit of God within me, I shall be that man. And the rest is history. That man traveled with very little education, traveled all over the world. Revival broke out everywhere he went. People would tremble in the presence of God because he, he, he just trusted God to make his life a miracle. He didn't have the skill set. If you ever read his writings, he couldn't spell even though there's a Bible college named after him, he himself couldn't spell. It was very uh, difficult. Paul said these words in Galatians 2.20, It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's the key. The abandonment, in a sense, of ourselves. The, 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 the giving over of our rights. The giving over of our plans and ambitions. And, and even our self-view whether it's a grand one or whether it's a really bad one, whatever it is, we just simply put it all in the hands of God and say, here, this all belongs to you now, and you can do with it what you will. But now give me, give me your self-view of me. Give me your view of my life. Give me the giftings that I'm going to need to do what I'm called to do in this world. Let it be no longer I that lives. Let it be Christ that lives in me. At some point in our lives, the reality of the fact that we have the third person of the Godhead living in these earthly bodies has to take hold of us. We don't just have a concept about God or arguments about God or knowledge about God or a fuzzy feeling about God. We actually have God in the third person living in these earthen vessels. The Bible does say that the Spirit of God within us intercedes for us with groanings. And I, I know what that is. I, that's the groaning of God to, to bring us in line with God's will for each one of our lives. He's thinking more about you than you could even imagine about yourself. He's got plans for your life that you've not even thought your life is going to amount to. The danger that we face as believers in Christ is at some point we set our judgment about ourselves above the judgment of God and above the Word of God. And we start determining the course of our own life. And how tragic it's going to be one day to, to get to heaven. Now, that's, that's not tragic in itself. Thank God for that. But you get to the throne of God, and maybe there's a video section. I don't know what it is, but you finally see what our lives could have been. Now, we're still in heaven, and heaven is still our home. I'm not talking about salvation now. I'm talking about what could have been done. 
what the will of God really was for each one of our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, this, this is the verse that won me to Christ. I want you to know this right now. I, I, you know, when, when, when the police officer that shared the gospel with me, I was a cop as well, and who shared the gospel with me, I wasn't really even concerned about my sin. I have to be honest with you. I wasn't concerned about a lot of things that he was talking to me about. The one thing that really, really was a hook in a sense in my heart is this one verse. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, the old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. That's an amazing verse. I remember thinking, is that possible? Is that possible that God could so... God could change my life, that I, I could actually be a new person. I was fooling the crowd, just like many here are, or at least some anyway. But I knew what I was. I knew what I was becoming. I knew where I was going, and I was powerless to stop it. The selfishness of my own heart was starting to consume me. The anger was getting deeper and deeper in my life. The drinking was getting more and more uh, a part of my life to the point where some of my friends began to be concerned. Oh, yeah, I could fake it at a party and I could pull up my guitar and sing and look like I'm the life of the place, but I knew what I was when I would get home and sit on the edge of my bed. And I remember this verse. This police officer told me, he said, I used to be a, a womanizer, a drunk, and a gambler. And I'm looking at a guy that looks like he's been raised next to a piano singing Amazing Grace. I remember thinking, how is that possible to change like that? And he would tell me, Carter, it wasn't me, it's Christ in me. And there's a promise that if, if you open your heart and Jesus Christ comes in and becomes part of your life, the old things that govern you lose their authority. They lose their power. They lose their, their right to dictate your future. It's gone. The wounds of the past begin to be healed, and all things become new. When I came to Christ, I remember in 1978, I pulled over on the side of the road, and my prayer was, the guy's name was Irv, by the way, the police officer, and I, my prayer was, Jesus Christ, if what Irv has said is the truth, then I open my heart to you. If, it, if it's possible, I can have a new life. If I can be forgiven, and if you can help me to be the person that you want me to be, then I, I give you the rights to my life. Peter the Apostle says in 1 Peter chapter 2, and verses 9 and 10, speaking of us today, he says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This is what we're called to do. We're, our whole being speaks about light speaks about newness, speaks about the wondrous power of God to transform us into the people that he's making us into. Verse 10 says, Who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We're living in a generation that needs to see and hear from people whose lives have been miraculously changed by the power of God. Have you noticed that our arguments don't matter anymore? There needs to be a demonstration in this generation of the presence and power of God through his church, which brings everything back down to you now and to me. We are God's plan A. We're not plan B, C, D, E, F. We're God's plan A. There is no other plan for this generation except for you and except for me. 
In the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, and verses 20 and 21, listen to these words of, of the Apostle Paul. Now, in, in the context of, of understanding what he considered his life to be, he says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever amen did you realize that today that God is able to do more exceedingly more above all that you're able to think now I want you to think about what you'd like to be think about the, the best plan that you think God could ever have for your life, and the Bible says He can do more than you can think. He can do more than you can ask according to His power that's at work within us. His ability, His desire, His, his heart. His heart to lift us in all of our infirmity, in all of our struggles, in all of our trials, in all of our weaknesses. Remember Paul said, I go first to show you how long-suffering God is. In spite of all the struggles that we have, it's his plan to bring glory to his name through us in all generations. Through you. Remember, a billion starts with one. Verse 7 of chapter 4 in Ephesians says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. In other words, you have everything that you need to do what you're called to do. It's already there. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. When he rose from the grave, he took the power of hell and destroyed it. He took everything that the devil would have to bring us into bondage and broke those chains, opened those doors, gave us life, gave us light, and he gave us the giftings that we need to do what we're called to do. You have everything in you right now to do what God's called you to do. Now you know why I said we're going to have to have the ears to hear this. I heard this. I was in my 20s when I heard this. I remember sitting on the edge of my seat in church and thinking, could that be true? Could God use my life for his glory? Could, could he make me more than I am? Is, is it true that with God all things are still possible? Does he, does he still take the, the nobodies and nothings? It says that in, in, in the book of 1 Corinthians. He, he takes the, the weak and he takes the lame and the, the nobodies, the nothings, the despised, the foolish. This is his plan to glorify his name in the earth. Is that possible, God? Could you take my life and could you use my life for your glory? Could you actually make my life a miracle as the scripture bears witness? All the gifts that he's given to us, in order to receive them, number one, they have to be desired. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, Paul says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. They have to be desired, like... If somebody gives you a gift and, and you look at it and it's all wrapped up and it's, it's got a pretty bow on it and it's for you, there has, there's a desire comes into your heart. Isn't that right? At least I hope so anyway. I mean, just it, maybe it's your birthday. Somebody brings you a present. I don't know. It's Christmas. You have some, 
Somebody gives you something. Maybe it's unforeseen. And somebody says, here, I, I bought you something. And you look and it's wrapped up. You don't know what it is, but you initially desire it. And it's the same in the kingdom of God. You, you have to desire what God has for your life. He's not going to impose it on you. He's not, he's not going to come in and force you or me to be the people he wants us to be. There has to be that, that desire in the heart. Then we have to unwrap it. 2 Timothy 2.15 Paul says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We, we've got to get into the word of God. We've got to study the word of God. We've got to find out who we are in Christ and what the giftings of God in each of our lives are actually for. And then once we have unwrapped it, then we have to embrace it. There are no gifts or receipts with God's gifts. You understand? There are no returns. There's no boxing day or whatever you call that day, whatever they the day after Christmas. There's, there's, no, there's no wrapping it up and taking it back and exchanging it. Gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And we have to embrace it. Paul said, that's why Paul said, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. And when you do, your life becomes a miracle. The, the church of Jesus Christ is a supernatural body. And don't ever settle for anything else. Don't let yourself become just a natural person. That means that you're governed by your own reasoning, by your own sight, by your own strength, by your own feelings. We are a supernatural body. We are governed by the Spirit of God. We are led by the Word of God. We are gifted by the giftings of God. We are called to do what God has determined to do through us. None of us should ever be able to get to the end of the journey and say, boy, I did this all by myself. No, our song ought to be only God could have done this. Only God could have done this. How merciful God has been. When we get to the end of our journey and all, some of us lift our feet up into our beds, we should be able to say to our friends or family, whoever's there, say, follow me as I've followed Christ. This is a wondrous life. This is a supernatural life. This is an amazing life in God. God took me and out of the ashes of my life made a miracle. In Matthew 11:23, Jesus intimates in the Scripture that if miracles, which can only be attributed to the power of God, had been present in or part of the fabric in Sodom, it would have been spared. He said, oh, Capernaum, if the things done in you, the miracles done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. If Sodom had had miracles, I preached on that here a few, a few weeks back, and it tells us that no matter how decadent a society gets, it can still be reached when the power of God is visible in it. We're living in a decadent day. We're living in a day of, of rampant and ever-increasing immorality. Confusion is abounding on every side. If ever there was a time for the church to rise, it's now. If ever there was a time for the power of God to be displayed through ordinary people, it's now. If ever there was a time for you and I to embrace the fullness of Christ and the fullness of his calling and take the risk and go off the cliff with God, may I put it that way, and say, Lord, I'm not willing to be ordinary. I'm not willing to be ignored any longer. God Almighty, whether they kneel or whether they rage or whether they tremble, let there be a reaction to your presence in my life. Give me the courage to speak. If you've given me a word of knowledge, give me the courage to speak it. A word of wisdom, let me speak it. If you move on my heart to lay hands on somebody that's sick 
and believe that they're going to be healed. Give me the courage to lay hands and pray. Give me the power to take authority over the devil and all the works of darkness in my family, my friends, in society, and my enemies. God, I'm not sitting on the sidelines any longer. I'm going to walk with you from this day forward. There was a man in Sodom, his name was Lot, and he was living so far beneath his inheritance. He was, the, of, he was related to Abraham, through whom God said, the whole world is going to be blessed through you and those that are part of your lineage. And, but he chose to live so far beneath his inheritance, so mixed in with the city in which he was living in, that his life and his voice made no difference. Even when he knew that judgment was coming, and he ran to try to get people to escape the city, they wouldn't listen. They thought he was joking. And I can hear people saying to him, well, if, if this city's about to be destroyed, why are you so intermixed in it? Why is it your whole value system? Why do, you, why do you just talk about it nonstop? If you knew we were under judgment, why are you just talking about it now? There's got to be a people in our generation that say today, not so with me. I'm not going to live like Lot did in Sodom. I'm going to let God make my life a miracle because Jesus said if miracles had been there, it could have been spared. That means this decadent generation can still be reached if the power of God is found in the people of God one more time. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let God arise in his church, let the enemies of righteousness be scattered. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to close with this scripture, verses 13 and 14. He says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was saying, I'm, I'm not everything yet that I feel that God wants me to be. And I know I've still got a ways to go. But I'm leaving behind everything that needs to be left behind now. And I'm moving forward to this incredible calling of God that's on my life in Christ Jesus. Because he has shown me mercy, he's shown me grace, I understand his plan for my life. And I believe that he can do more than I can even ask or think if I will surrender to him. I believe in Paul couldn't have known that his obedience, his moving forward, was going to pen the New Testament. Do you understand all the, the doctrine I've shared with you today, except for the book of Peter, has come from the hand of this surrendered man. He could not have known that his life was going to give guidance to hundreds of millions of people. For 2,000 years, to, he could not have known. But he did know this one thing, that if I press on in God, there's something in, through my life that's going to bring glory to his name. And if you and I make that choice today, I'm telling you there's something in each of our lives that will bring the name of Christ to reputation and to glory. And don't get overwhelmed with the thought of what, what will I do or what do I have to do. Just start with the first thing. Just start there. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. You start there, and you begin, to, you begin to leave behind what needs to be left behind. That's where it, sometimes that's where it starts in people's lives. You need, there's certain things that need to be put away and left behind. Then suddenly you're reading the Word of God, and it starts to unfold, and you see 
what the future could have, and you start moving towards that future. As I said this morning, I, I'm familiar with this because I know what it's like to feel like your life is not going to amount to anything. I know what it's like to feel that the, the darknesses in your life are getting deeper, the selfishness is getting more pronounced, the, the anger and despair are getting worse. And then suddenly this, this whole new realm begins to open of God. And you begin to hear words like I'm sharing with you today, that with God all things are possible. I remember, I've, I didn't share this this morning, but I remember I was in a church and I heard a message. I, I don't know if it was this like this one, but it was something similar because my heart started to burn inside. And the, the pastor, he basically said, if you want to give your future into the hands of God and, and live for him, and he gave an altar call, and it was about 700 people, about the size of this downstairs here today. And everybody stood up, and nobody moved. I couldn't believe it. I mean, they all looked so good in that church. They all had nice clothes and big Bibles. And the families looked to be together. I'm in jeans and jean jackets, most likely. I'm on a day off. I haven't shaved, and I just... I don't know the Bible. I don't even know there's a, such a thing as Ezekiel in the Bible. I, I don't know any of this stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, God... What's wrong with these people? Like, they've got all, they've got everything. They've been raised in Christian homes. I, I, I wasn't. They know the Bible. I don't. And they look so good. They're, they seem to be really into this world called Christianity. I'm just kind of riding the edge of it, wondering how deep I want to go. And I, I felt just to get out of my seat, nobody else did. And two reasons. Number one, I felt bad for the preacher. He's such a nice guy, and he preached a good message, and nobody responded. <laughs> And number two, the Holy Spirit was drawing me. And I remember there was just two of us, about 700 people. I was on this side, and another guy in a green suit, I remember, came down this side. And both of us got on our knees, and I just started to cry. And I said, here are my words. I said, Jesus, I have nothing to give you. The little boy in the story at least had some loaves and fish. I don't even have that. I remember my words. I said, if you need a bad temper, I'm your man. You need a lousy husband, that's me. If you need a guy who doesn't know how to be a father, I qualify. And, and by the way, I don't like people. I'm, on, I'm right on the edge of hating people. But if you think you can use this life, I give it to you. And you see, God specializes in miracles. He specializes in taking nothing and making something out of us for his namesake and for his glory. So that's what I'd like to invite you into today. Remember I started by saying a billion starts with one. And it starts with one heart that says, here am I. I don't feel worthy. I, I, don't, I don't, I wouldn't, if I were God, I wouldn't use me, but if you want my life, I give it to you. And he takes us in our nothingness and he becomes everything. Changes us. You know, I, somebody, I, fortunately my house burned down years ago and I, we lost all of our pictures of what we used to be before we came to Christ. There's always somebody out there that's willing to send you an old picture of yourself. And somebody did. I looked at that, Pastor Tim, and it scared me of the man I used to be before I came to Christ. That man's eyes were dark. 
countenance was dark. His, his heart looked empty. And I remember looking at the picture, and I remember thinking, thank God that man is dead. Thank God that another man was born because of Christ. I, I wish I had a thousand lives to thank Jesus for what he has done. The best way I know to thank him is to convince you that this journey is worth taking. You know, the, one of the perils of the last days is there's going to be a people, Paul said, that are always learning, but never able to be brought to the knowledge of where that truth is taking them. And they deny the power of God. In a sense, they, they just resist it. They resist what God wants to do. They, they learn but deny His power. I don't want to be among them. I've been asking the Lord to increase the borders of my own tent to, to help me so that I can help others, so that I can help you today become the people that God wants you to be. So, Father, I have delivered your heart, and I know it's your heart, and I know you gave me this word. All I can do is deliver it, and Holy Spirit, you have to make it real. But I do ask God for Every evangelist that's here and doesn't even know what they are, every pastor that doesn't know they're called, every, every civic leader that's here, every one that's going to make a difference in their, in their sphere of life, whatever it is, whether it's in the academic world, whether it's pushing a broom, it doesn't matter. God, you have something so much bigger for every life that's here. Would you give us the grace to yield? Would you give us the grace to believe that you can use us for your glory? So I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to ask you to make the journey I made uh, 40 years ago now. Imagine that, 40 years ago. And if the Lord's speaking to your heart and you believe that God can make your life a miracle, I'm going to ask you to slip out of your seat and just join me here. And we're just going to pray. Pastor Tim's going to come. He's going to lead you. Come on up. Come on up. Just join these guys that are coming. Thank God. Just, just move out of your seat, wherever you are. Just move. Don't write yourself off. Don't sell yourself short of what God has for you. I'm not looking to pack an altar. I'm looking for you to become everything that God wants you to be. It's not about packing an altar. The day I responded, there was only two. And I've lived to see a lot of people come into the kingdom of God. Just slide in. Move in close to give room. Just keep coming. Just keep coming. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. God will take you way beyond that. Give you an ability to do something you never believed that you'd ever do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just keep coming. Father, thank you, God, for... Thank you for the miracles coming down the aisle today, on all sides. Miracles, God. Lives that are going to be transformed. Lives that are going to be new. Things that are going to be done for your namesake that will bring your name to glory. Pastors that are going to be helped. Leaders, God, that are going to be strengthened. God, make us a miracle. We, we don't want to settle for anything less. Make this church a miracle. God Almighty, we, we ask you for transformed lives to be the hallmark of this church. It started with Nikki Cruz, a man, a man who was diagnosed as unredeemable, has preached to 30 million people. God Almighty, you gave us a sign of what you wanted to do.
Do it again, Lord. Do it again. The young men coming down, the young women, God, do it again. Do it again. Raise up voices, evangelists, pastors, teachers. People who have found churches, people who go to mission field, people who will run for political office, people who will be stand in the education system, people who will be the best janitor that's ever, ever touched a broom in New York City. God Almighty, God Almighty, the anointing makes the difference. The power of the Holy Spirit makes the difference. The presence of God makes the difference. It's not what we do, it's who's doing it through us. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray, God, right now for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, God, the presence of your Holy Spirit, for hearts to begin to burn for what they've heard today, God, what we've all heard. Because it's been your word. It's not been anybody's opinion. It's been your word that we've looked into. And we've seen something about your heart towards us. God, the desire of your heart to make such a difference in this generation. Give us a testimony, Lord, that can't be ignored anymore. A testimony that can't be denied. A testimony that will put to shame the contrary arguments of darkness. Oh, Jesus Christ. I pray that not a single person at this altar in this sanctuary would say, no, this is not for me. Not a single person. God, you would lead us. You would guide us. You would change us. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus.
from all unrighteousness. Just come. Let's talk about it. Tell me what's going on. Remember the songwriter said, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. He said, come, let us reason together. Come, let us sit down and talk about this thing. But many times we won't do that. We just want to repent and move on. But we need to go to him and tell him what's holding us down. What's the stronghold that's really in our lives? I was looking at a mother uh, the other day. And she, her son was out of the country when she found out he was gay. And uh, she was just hurt over it, you know, because she wanted a son who was a a male, somebody different than her. Yeah. And she thought with having a son, you know, he would uh, be protective of his mother and he would play baseball, basketball, football, and uh, bring a girl for prom, you know, and uh, then he would uh, get married and give her some grandchildren. So when she heard he was gay, it kind of ruffled her feathers. So she prayed for him and everything. And this was her main thought, too, is that my son may get killed or he may kill himself. Yeah, my son may get killed or he may kill himself. Because she realized, you know, the brain was off. Something was wrong, internal. And there's nothing she could take him to the doctor for and cure yeah, but this is what I know. When we go to God and we set down the reasons with him, we tell him every thought. Lord, I'm afraid for my children. God, I'm, I, 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 I'm on the job, but I don't know how to witness on the job. The, all these people appear to be non-believers. But this is what kicks in, trust. You got to have faith in God. That's how you get to know him. See, when you first come to him, you got to believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So you got to let him know 
and you got to walk by faith and trust God. I've been in some situations where it was very dangerous, but I trusted God because, yea, though I walked through the valley of the shadows of death, I will fear no evil. Why? That rod and that staff comfort me. <laughs> that prepared table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'm going to dwell in God forever. His house is wherever I make it. His house is here. Wherever I, I, I make his house, that's, that's where it is. I'm going to dwell there for the rest of my life. I don't want to leave God. Because I found out without him, I can do nothing. Another thing I found out is this. If you give him your all, he will give you his. He will give you things you never knew before. He will bring people in your life that can help you. You never knew these people existed. These were the kind of people you stayed away from, you know, because you didn't know and you was a, a little bit of hesitant about them. But God will open that door wide open and show you who they really are and where their heart is for you and your ministry that he called and chose you for. Yeah, we got to get up from sitting down. We've been sitting down too long, not doing nothing for him. Many of us, we go to church and we'll wear the pulpit out, we'll wear the pew out. But when it comes to outreach, we're too busy. But the harvest is plenteous and the labors are few. We pray that the Lord of the harvest will send more labors. But how about the labor he either called you for or chose you for? Yeah, yeah. That's it, that. But we thank God this morning that he constantly reminds us. He continues to nudge us. And a lot of times he's nudging and nudging and we ignoring it. Because we want to walk in us. We want to walk in the flesh. We're afraid of what people may say. We're looking at what people may think. Uh, uh, what they see in us. Look here. Time out for foolishness. It's time to obey God from a sincere heart. You got to forget people. People cause you to go to hell. Do you know that? We got to come out of this flesh. And learn to walk more in the spirit of God. He saved you. He gave you his spirit. He gave you the gift of the spirit, the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I thank him for what he gave me. He gave this to us. He should be our top priority. He should get the first fruit of everything. He should be the first thing on our mind. We should want to work for him. And even in that come, let us reason together. We, I can, we can go to him and ask him, Lord, what would you have me to do? What type of work did you call me to in the vineyard? Have patience and wait on the answer cause, because he's coming. And he's going to show you. And guess what? You won't miss it. You will not miss it. Because he's going to do everything to show you. But when we want to stay in our flesh and we want to be fleshly people, we in the world and of the world, it's not so much God can only do. Because you're resisting the power of the Holy Spirit. 
You're resisting the power of God. And you think you're getting away with those things because he don't destroy you. But there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. And when we've forgotten to do what's pleasing and acceptable unto God, we we, we out of gas. You know what that means? You ain't got no way to maneuver. You ain't, you ain't got no way to go nowhere. Because where you got to go, you got to drive, but you don't have gas. So we want to bow down to God this morning. Jehovah, almighty God that have all the power. We want to bow down. We don't want to come down. Ha ha Hey, glory to his majesty. Thank you. Ha, thank you. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Hallelujah. Mm. We want to bow down to him. Even where he you've heard me say many times, we can come boldly before the throne of grace to make our petition known unto an almighty God, but we want to come bow down. Yeah, why? He's holy. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He got everything we need and more. He give heart desires. He found a way to redeem us back to him. We should be grateful and we should show this unto God. We should show our appreciation unto him. Lord, I appreciate you. I appreciate you because you are my heavenly father. There's nothing too hard for him to do. We miss the mark when we don't have patience and when we don't come and reason with him and tell him what our problem is. Again, this morning, we have not because we ask not. I heard him say, Lord, I don't have nothing to give you. He don't want nothing but your heart. He don't want your money. He don't want nothing but your heart, but we give him everything that we can. I give him my house, my life, my children, grandchildren. Yeah, all this kind of thing. Everybody, great grands, my car, <laughs> bank account. I give him everything so he can run everything the way he knows that it's going to bless me. See, he do things in a way where I will be blessed because I give him my all. I give him everything and put him in charge. I let go so I can let God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah this morning. So come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I'll wash you white as snow. Did you know that? He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and we need to be clean. Daily, we need to come to God in repentance. Some people think, well, I ain't did nothing wrong. I know I did. If it was nothing but a thought, I know I did wrong. And if I don't remember nothing, then I go anyway and ask for forgiveness of seen and unseen what I've done against him, against his word, because his word is alive, it's living. Yeah, it's not just some words on the paper in black and white and red and white. These words from the Bible are living words. They are alive. And if you will allow them to get in you, learn them, talk to God about it, they will live in you. Case in point, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, it lives in me. You can wake me up 2 o'clock in the morning and say, Barbara, 
Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, and you hear me say, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You're going to hear me say that. People get all of that right, but that part that says, fear the Lord and depart from evil, they overlook that. I saw something the other day. It kind of hurt my feelings in a way, but people don't belong to me. They belong to God. So I have to give, pray, and give them to God. All that he bring here, people overlook it and keep living in a raggedy way. All that God bring and teach us that we can have, people overlook it and throw it in the trash. Life getting with more holes in it is raggedy. Yeah, because you, 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 you didn't take here, and you're not taking here to what God is saying to you, the church. Look. People left God years ago, don't even know they left him. Because remember, he will fire you and you can keep coming to work. He done wrote the pink slip and everything else. <laughs> Told you you was fired, but you don't believe it, so you keep working. But you're working to work unto yourself, not unto him. He fired you years ago, and you, you 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 don't even know. And you think he yet for you, but your mind keeps getting worse because bigger holes are in your head, in your mind, in your brain. Because you're not trying to live his way. You're trying to live your way, what makes your flesh feel good. Again, this morning, there's no good thing in your flesh. No good thing in it. That flesh will mess you up. That flesh will tell you, hey, Bob, ain't nothing wrong with uh, going out with the guy and having a drink. What? What are you talking about? Yeah, you, you can go out with him and have a drink. And he's unsaved. He's not saved. Are you kidding me? Why would I do such a detrimental thing to my life? We're unequally yoked to start off with and a drink. Them spirits I'm putting in my body so it's going to lead to craziness. Uh-uh, I don't think so. I thank you for the invite, but I can't go out for a drink. Number one, I don't drink, not alcohol beverages. And number two, I don't go out like that in places like that. I don't go to bars and clubs. Well, what about Starbucks? I don't like Starbucks. I hate it. I don't see how people running over there for it. Because he would never say, let's go to McDonald's. <laughs> I love McDonald's coffee, cream and sugar. Oh, my goodness. He would never think of that because he's trying to Woo me in so he want to take me to high-end places, you know, to show me he's a man and, you know, you know how to treat a lady and he don't want me to think he's ragged and this kind of thing. He would never think of McDonald's. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to put ourselves in, in positions to be wooed in and messed up. 
And when God speaks to us, we want to open our spiritual ears to hear and obey. Not just hear, but obey. Because if he warns us, if we do what he's warning us about, oh, it's going to be something horrific. It's going to be something that almost makes your heart feel like it's bleeding. It's going to be, you're going to feel the abuse. You're going to feel the pain of the bad that you've been mistreated. But sometimes we jump out of the frying pan into the fire. And no need for us to do that when we got a risen Savior. We have Almighty God that have all power. There's no higher power. He's on our side in spite of us. Look at this. He said we could cast our cares upon him for he cares for us. And see, we don't want God to have empathy and sympathy and compassion. Because he named to have compassion. We really don't want his compassion. We want the person that's hurting us. We want their compassion and you'll never get it. I'm sorry. The only way you'll get it, he wants something from you or she wants something from you. All that they did to you, they didn't even see what they were doing. They felt none of that, only you felt it. Come out the abusive relationships. Don't go out with men and, and they are unequally yoked. You saved and they are not sick. Don't do that. Don't do that. To my God, honey, go on. Because holes, when you start thinking like that, holes in your brain, holes in your mind, it's raggedy. It's getting worse because of what you are in doing, what you're putting in there. You're not putting the word of God. You're not putting prayer. You're not putting obedience unto him. You're putting what your flesh wants. And then, of course, you know the enemy going to come in with the flesh and help it out. When you know anything, you may end up in the mental institution over a man, over a woman. Are you kidding me? And if, that, if at all, if you feel you need to stay away to save yourself, stay away. Save yourself. I'm busy. Not only am I busy, I'm happy being alone. Yeah, and it's not that she done been through so much. Now I love the Lord. I'd rather give him more than anybody. He gets more than the children. I love crocheting. He gets more than the crochet. <laughs> I love him today. Hallelujah. He's been good to me. Faithful, faithful, faithful. Ooh, faithful. I don't know no one who is as faithful as he is. Bless me over and over. Oh, my goodness, you have no clue. You have no clue. I was so blessed yesterday. I had a doctor's appointment and some running around to do personal things. And I was just wore out. But I went to the post office to get the P.O. box mail. And I had this yellow uh, slip that I had a package express. I didn't know what it meant. So I walked around there, and uh, one of the young ladies worked there. I know her. So she was like, hey, where you been? I said, honey, bad knees on the back. And we laughed. And so she said, I kept your package here. They kept wanting me to send it back, but I wouldn't send it back because I knew who post office box was 8032. 
I said, that's Miss Barbara. I'm not sending her package back. She coming in here and get this package one day. And so she uh, went back there and she got the package. Irene had sent me something from Christmas all the way from Australia. I, I can begin to tell you all kind of things uh, was in the box, all kind of precious gifts, books. and Oh, and I love those books and all kind of things. And so I was like, because when I saw it, it said Australia Post. I was like, this is a box from Irene. This Irene Christmas box. She was sending. Because we we had been waiting. I sent her a box, and she sent me a box. And we did it in November to make sure it was there before Christmas. Oh, my goodness. I said, I hope she got hers. But we keep talking about it, and we keep forgetting the boxes. But... Yesterday, mine coming out there, I hope yours come today. She said, oh, yeah, that would be something, but I don't know. So we, we're going to see how long it takes them to put a slip in her box that her box had arrived, the Christmas box, all the way from November. Yeah, I was excited. And I FaceTime with her so she could see me open the box and open all the gifts and everything. Listen, God is good to me. On the side, in spite of me, bless me every day. I should say blessings with the S, some uncommon blessings. He sent my way. Sometimes it's in an email. Sometimes it's in messenger. Sometimes it's in a text. But he blessed me every single day he wake me up. My heart's desire is to be obedient unto him and never take him for granted. Yeah, I never want to take God for granted. And I, I don't want to feel like I'm entitled. Yeah, I want to feel like this. I'm humble. You're the way, the truth, and the life, and my light. So I want to remain humble. I want to be in a thank you mode all the time. That, a mode of thanksgiving unto him. Because he's constantly blessing us. And we should be in a thanksgiving mode. Oh, but Barbara, you don't understand uh, my my son died. Oh, but Barbara, you don't understand uh, my husband cutting up. Oh, Barbara, you don't understand my wife done lost her mind. Well, they can do anything they want to do. Now unto him who's able to keep me and to keep me blameless before the throne. Now, if you could see God, if he sat right next to you, you could feel him and touch him. You, you you wouldn't be doing all of that. You'd stay on the straight and narrow. Well, you may as well because he's right next to you. His eyes are in every place. He's beholding the evil and the good. Simply because you don't see him does not mean he's not there. And at some point in your life, saying that you're saved and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you should feel his presence to know that he's real. And he wants me to be obedient unto him. Not on Wednesday, Sunday, Friday when you go to church, but every day he wants us to be obedient unto him and his word. Because his word is alive, is living, and it's the truth. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> yeah, Brother Lua, I would have loved to have been a part of uh, Wilkerson and, oh, my goodness, Nikki. Yeah, I would love to be a part of that. Yeah, because I remember he went to New York, Wilkerson did, and uh, he got caught up over there, too. Yeah, 
So, yeah, that was during the hippie Jesus people movement. That was during that era, yeah. But uh, some got saved for real, and, and, and they was real in what they were doing. I believe that. And uh, God blessed them to go on and to become, you know, even more. He could use them in the vineyard even more. So we thank for unto the Lord this morning. Sister Rita, I know that's your number. Uh, can I get you to raise your hands to the Lord, Sister Rita? Just lift your hands towards the Lord and tell him, begin to tell him thank you. If you're in a place where you can do it. Yeah. Just begin to tell if you can't lift your hands, just begin to tell him thank you. Begin to tell him thank you. Hallelujah. Father God, in the name of Jesus. I bring Rita before you this morning, God. Not that you don't know. You already know the very intent of her heart. You know her heart's desires. Father, I ask today in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you would move for Rita. And that, Lord, you would show her the way to you. That you would teach her your ways. You would teach her how to be obedient unto you. And, Father, I ask that you would give her her heart's desires. In the name of Jesus, open up a wisdom, God. Move by your spirit. Bless her children, Lord. Bless her household. Bless her family, God. In the name of Jesus. We thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor and praise. Strengthen her in this hour, oh God. In Jesus' name, we ask it all. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm grateful unto him this morning because he is. Is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Thank you, Jesus. So, Sir Jerry, if you can lift your hands to the Lord, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to begin to tell God thank you, begin to praise him, begin to praise him, begin to praise him, because he know, he know everything about you. He made you for his pleasure. Yeah, he know the outcome and the income of everything. He know the future. He know your future. Hey. Thank you. Oh. And he wants you to know this, Sister Jerry. It won't always be like this. Hallelujah. God is protecting that which concerning you. Hmm. Sooner or later, more sooner than later here, is working for your favor. He's turning it around for you. Listen, I need you to go back to Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. And, Jerry, I need you to stay right there in them scriptures every day, every day. I want you to meditate on them. I don't care what's going on, the good, the bad, the ugly. I want you to meditate in those scriptures. 5 through 7, chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Because he give this to many people, but they thump it to the curve. Because they don't, they, they, and that, that, that verse 7, that, Fear the Lord and depart from evil. They don't want to really even hear that. They just want to hear what he's going to do. But listen, instructions with God is very important. So, Sister Jerry, if you stay right there, you're going to see yourself raised up in a way you've never seen in a very long time. Yeah. The word is going to do the work for you. And we need to let the word do the work in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It's already done. <laughs> it's coming your way. Brother Anthony, I don't know if you're driving this morning or if you can lift your hands, but you can lift your mouth and begin to tell God thank you here. Yeah, begin to tell God thank you. Yeah, 
I saw you sitting. Hey, shout. Hey, my shout. Hey, glory. I saw you sitting. And I saw a smile on your face. And where you were sitting, Brother Anthony, it was in your own house. It was in your house. Yeah. And I saw you sitting, smiling comfortably. And uh, every now and then you would look around. I, I, I even saw the stove and the microwave over the stove, Brother Anthony. Where you were sitting, it, it wasn't really in the kitchen. It was like in a sitting room. And uh, I could see the yard, you know, and everything. So I want you to begin to praise God. Because you can't bring yourself there, but he, hey, he can bring you after that and set you up with more than you need. I'm here to tell you today. Hallelujah. So we thank God. Thank God. Hallelujah. For being on our side. Hey, in spite of us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We thank you today. We thank you. We thank you. Hey, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, minister. Then I'm telling you, just hold on. Just hold on all I can say. The enemy, he want to come and nitpick you and and frustrate you and aggravate you. But listen, that's because of what's soon coming your way. All I need you to do is praise God. All I need you to do is praise him. Begin to thank him and praise him. That's all I need you to do. Because what's coming away, that enemy mad. Hot, 38 hot as they say in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I need you to go back to Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 as well. Stay right there. Stay right there. Quote it, meditate on it, and it'll be all right in Jesus' name. Good morning, my 708. God bless you this morning. And look, I want to give this to you. I want to give you the book of John. I want you to read the book of John, and and in between the pages as you turning them and reading them, God is going in and between the pages of your life, and He's changing some things. You you'll be all right. You're gonna testify to yourself about it. Yeah, He's changing some things. Yeah, things are not going to be the same. I need you to praise Him too. Yeah, I need you to praise Him. I I see some finances coming, some money. Yeah, I see that coming your way as well. So I'm going to need you to praise him. And the more you praise him and get in that book of John, the quicker these things, these changes are going to come. Yeah. And the quicker, even even your life going to change. Yeah. The, the things you're used to, they're no longer going to be common. Yeah. Because God going to undo some things. And we, I want to say remodel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Just write it down because I'll forget. I'll forget because it's not my word. It's his word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I am grateful unto him. Almighty God that have all power. There's no higher power. And I'm thankful unto him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think that's everybody. Oh, Sister Dot and Irene, I almost left them in the corner. What's going on? <laughs> Sister Dot, I need you to praise him too. Uh, I see you taking a trip. I need you to begin to praise God. But when you come back off this trip, uh, I, I want to say money. Money, 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 money. That's what I want to say. When you come back off this trip, 
money. That's that's what I'm going to tell you. But I'm going to need you to go to Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 as well. And I'm, I'm going to need you to just trust God. It's already all right in Jesus' name. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah, I see the Lord blessing you, Sister Dot. Yeah, all over, all over, every aspect of your life, I see God blessing you. And it's all right in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. He made it all right already. And we're thankful. Hallelujah. Irene, I need you to go to Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. And I need you to begin to praise God. Just praise him. Just praise him. And tell him what you what you really want. Lord, I want healing. I want a healing. Lord, I want a, a fresh memory. I want a fresh mind. I want a new mind. I, I want to be made over in you. Yeah, whatever it is you want, I, I need you to tell God about it. But I need you to begin to praise him first. Praise him, praise him. Tell God about it. Stay in Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Let me tell you, that scripture has made my life so easy because I don't have to be all up in it. I heard something going on in my family. I, I, God come and relieve me. Even Kalani. He came and relieved me of Kalani. That's my granddaughter. Traumatic brain injury. Went through the windshield. Into a concrete pillar. New Year's Day, I was going to get some chicken. Because I was going to share the chicken with Sister Jerry. And so I was going to get the chicken early that morning because I called and they said, yes, we're open. <clears throat> but you, they were open for breakfast. They wasn't open, you know, for lunch yet. But I went very early, I think around 7-ish. Coming back, after I found out they wasn't serving chicken, they were serving breakfast. I didn't eat no breakfast. I began to talk to the Lord about Kalani. Hey, thank you. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. I began to tell him what I wanted for her, and I began to tell him, you know, how I felt about her and the situation and everything. And he heard me the first time. Do y'all hear me? Hey, glory, hallelujah. He heard me the first time. In a few days, her dad comes from Washington State, where he first had to get out of Bethel, Alaska, then into Washington State, because he lived in both states. He lived in Alaska, and he lived in Washington State. So he had to wait a few days to get out of Bethel because of the snow. Then he finally got out of Bethel into Washington State. He still had to wait a couple of more days. So finally he get out of there. When he get to Jacksonville, well, Armors Park to the hospital where she's at, uh, he telling the doctors, you know, what he want for and this and that, because he's a nurse and a therapist. And his friend is a MD. He's a medical doctor. And so when I look, I see Kalani, listen to this, Kalani sitting up in a chair, no drooling, none of that. He said, see, he walked in to see her. She said, hey, Uncle Bree. That's my son, Yusuf. 
I'm so glad to see you. I miss you, Uncle Bree. He said he had to tell her, baby, I'm not your Uncle Bree. This daddy. I'm your daddy. But the Lord did this. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. He did that to show me. I heard you the first time. This is what you said you wanted. Look. Look where I brought her from. Hallelujah. I have not been to the hospital every day. Although that's my granddaughter. And when she see me, she lights up. Hey, Grandma. I don't care where it's at. Yeah, she was a dog trainer and was good at a job. Uh, she was going to nursing school and doing well at that. But there was something God needed to stop. And, and it brought me back to when he confused the language of the people. Remember, they were building that tower to <laughs> So he had to allow some things so she could be confused. He didn't do it, but he allowed it. And I don't think nursing school is for her. Yeah, I don't think dog training is for her. God got another purpose and a plan. Uh-huh. And he's working it out for my good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh-huh. Because look, I know I could have bared the storm and she passed away or anything like that. I, I, I could have endured. I know I could. Great is he that lives within me than he that is in the world. Almighty God that have all power, he's able to see me through. Hallelujah. So I know I could have endured, but that wasn't his plan. And especially after I talked to him New Year's morning. Yeah, and told him what I wanted. And he heard me. Ah, y'all don't understand. Y'all don't understand over here. God is faithful to his people. But as his people, we must be faithful unto him. He's looking for somebody that's going to stay faithful. He's looking for somebody that's going to obey at any cost. If I have to lose my family, I'm going to obey God. If I got to walk off this job, I got to obey God and trust him. He said, get up out of here. I got to go. Some people not going to like you now. I'm here to tell y'all in the family thing, old friends, friends, they're not going to care for you because you're not wanting to be a part of what they got going on or have going on. You want to obey God to the last letter, and that's what I want to do today. I decided to make Jesus my choice. Over everything and everybody else. All kind of mess come my way. I can tell y'all some things. And you'll be like, what? Yeah. But I decided <laughs> to make Jesus my choice. Uh, the road get rough. The road get heavy. All kind of stuff going on. People come to me in their flesh with I don't have time for fleshly foolishness. Let's go in the spirit. We can get things done quicker. God will move quicker for us if we come to him in the spirit and not in our flesh. We have to bury this flesh. 
I was talking to the preacher yesterday, and she was telling me some things that I could see myself all up. <laughs> I said, this woman here, if she don't stop bringing me to me, I don't know what I'm going to do. But she, there's <laughs> okay. I know she's anointed <laughs> and appointed. Yes, ma'am, but yes, sir. And it tickles me many days because some days she tells me I see me all up in it. Yep. I said, look at that. If she don't stop bringing me to me, I don't know what to do with her right here because that would have been me right there. That would have been me right there. <laughs> I would have had to pray my way through. Ooh, y'all help me pray my way through. Yeah. God is good to us. He is faithful, and he is good to us, and I'm thankful for him. Hallelujah. I thank you for his son, Jesus. Thank you for the shedding of the blood that he could redeem me back to him. Yeah, I'm not perfect in no way, but I believe God today. Hallelujah. And his word. Uh, I believe it's true. His word is true. His word is true. Well, I know it is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Look, we're moving a little further. I'm going to this one, and then right after this one, we're going to play the, the testimony. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's Mr. Edwin Hawkins and uh, the original Oh Happy Day. I uh, like that one myself every now and then, you know, I hear it and things, but I thank God for good gospel music. And I think that was in an era when uh, they was coming out with circular music, calling it uh, gospel music. You know, they had put their spin on it and gospel music had changed. But uh, I thank God, you know, for the words and um, what he's doing in, in his people. Yeah. When I say in his people, a people that's obeying, a people that's walking with him and not their flesh. You know, sometimes they'll walk with him so far and they cut it off and I'm going to walk in my flesh now. No, those that are staying constantly walking in the spirit that we don't fulfill fulfill. The lust of our flesh, because that's how we get to get to the flesh and, and get to obeying the flesh is we cut the spirit off. Stop seeking God spiritually. We start feeling with our flesh, with our natural man. Yeah, and that won't work. And when I say natural man, again, that's a generic term, man or woman. Yeah, we we walking in us now. God done had His chance. Ooh, we. I would be afraid. I'm not afraid. I'd be scared. Yeah, to play with him like that. Oh, yeah. So, listen, we're going to take a listen um, to this testimony this morning. And after the testimony, I want to open the studio today. And then I'll do the rest of the roll call. Well, since you've clicked on this video, whether you are one of Jehovah's Witnesses or not, I'm sure that you're curious of how it can happen that someone who had a relatively high position within the organization being an elder, what happens to them to make them decide to leave one day and to no longer be a part of the organization? Well, that's my reason for making this video. I need to give my experience to show just how it is that an elder and a pioneer can wake up and realize that this just might not be the truth. And since waking up, since leaving the organization, I've also found out about a lot of lies that have been spread about me that I do need to clear up and to be able to speak for myself and give away so that family and friends who may watch this video at some point in the future may be able to do so secretly without getting into any trouble. So out of respect for my family and former friends who are Jehovah's Witnesses, I won't detail out the conversations that I had with them, nor what happened in my personal life. This is purely about what happened to me and my experience and why my conscience will no longer allow me to remain as one of Jehovah's Witnesses. So to all former friends, family members that happen to watch this, if you are active witnesses, I will give you some time markers and I'll give you a warning to let you know when I'm going to bring up topics that you might not feel comfortable watching such as anything that might be information you haven't heard before. So I will give that warning. I'll include some timestamps below in the description so that you can be able to see uh, and choose to stop watching whenever you see fit. So to give you a quick background on my history with Jehovah's Witnesses, I was born and raised in it like many people are. I uh, was a third generation witness uh, I was a pioneer for about 11 years. I was a ministerial servant for about 10 or so, and then an elder for five years. I've been in 
foreign language congregations. I even lived out of the country for several years, uh, serving as a, a need grader, both in English and in foreign language congregations. I was uh, used very heavily on RBC projects, both from the construction and the design aspect of it. And really, all in all, I've had a lot of great experiences being one of Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, and of course, there are some negative ones that come along with that as well. But for the most part, I don't really have a lot of things to complain about. Uh, not really too many horrible things I could say ever happened to me. So, you know, I was pretty happy as one of Jehovah's Witnesses. I thought it was the truth. But growing up, I always had nagging doubts about certain things that kind of bothered me in regards to being a part of the organization. You know, I had random experiences out in the field ministry of people asking me questions about things, uh, bringing up things that I would probably have considered at the time, which it would be, to be apostate information. But during all of my teenage years and throughout my 20s, all the little doubts and questions that I had had, I basically did what every single one of Jehovah's Witnesses does when they have these doubts or these questions. They push them aside and say, you know, we'll just figure all those things out a little bit later. No need to worry about it right now. And so that's what I did. I figured I'll be able to find answers to those questions at some point when the time is right or perhaps when I have a little bit more time to be able to study these things. So fast forward to reach the age of 35, which wasn't terribly long ago. I was serving as an elder. I've been an elder for, like I said, about five years. And realized that as the organization had been changing, it is becoming more digital. So a lot more things that you would see on Watchtower Online. A lot of the publications that we received uh, were now all in a digital format, be it in like an EPUB format, PDF, uh, even doing research online now. Um, and so everything was moving in that direction. And so then when the JW Library app came into existence, uh, that proved to be a pretty good tool. Um, you know, it was a little bit basic in the beginning, but as time went on, you know, they kept releasing more and more edits to it that gave it, you know, a few more capabilities, especially when you were going to do research on certain topics. So when I get to that time period, I realized, oh, wait a minute, you know, as an elder, I'm asked questions all the time about random subjects. And a lot of times there might be things that I don't know just off the top of my head, but I certainly don't mind going and researching them. So how much nicer would it be at this point to be able to take the note-taking feature, to be able to tag certain notes and categorize things within the app so that I could have, uh, when someone asked me a question about a particular subject, I could just click on that little tag, open up my research, and I could just sit there immediately with someone and be able to answer their questions, whether it was a publisher in their congregation or someone out in the field ministry asking a difficult question that I knew I was going to run across someday. So it was really helpful. So at that point, I thought, well, maybe this is the time for me to take advantage of this, start doing my research, answer some of those questions, doubts, and issues that I had with things all throughout the years, and see if I can find answers to them now. Because as an elder, no doubt at some point in time, someone is going to ask me questions about this. So before I began doing the research, 
I decided to go ahead and see if I could make a list of all of the issues that I had, uh, be they about doctrine, the organization itself, uh, perhaps issues that I had come across in the ministry before, see if I could start compiling them to find out and give me a starting point of what direction to go, what kind of topics that I needed to look up. So I spent a couple of months, went through those uh, topics, and realized that what I thought in my head were just uh, maybe a handful, less than a dozen questions that I had, the list started to grow, and it got pretty big. So within a few months, I decided, okay, I have to go ahead and start. I've got to start knocking some of these things out and, uh, and, and getting some kind of resolution to them. But quickly I realized I was running into the exact same problems every single time. There either wasn't an answer to the question, and the basic brick wall that you were hitting was, well, you just have to have faith. Or God hasn't answered that question yet, so you're just going to have to wait on him. Or, well, this just happened because it's imperfect men. And all of those answers to those questions were unsatisfying to me when I was a teenager, when I was in my 20s. And they were just as unsatisfying now. But I will say, during that entire time of trying to find answers to these questions, I completely avoided apostate material. And for any one of you who are Jehovah's Witnesses, you know exactly why I did that. Witnesses are taught that apostates, people who leave the organization, are among the most horrible people on the planet. And so anything that they say is going to be twisted, it is going to be a lie, something taken out of context, it is not going to be true, they are not trustworthy. So I didn't want to go down that road thinking that it wasn't going to, uh, it just, it wasn't going to lead anywhere good and I could not trust that information. So I stuck plainly and only to witness sources. But I finally hit a barrier when I started researching one of the major topics that I had issues with for my entire life as a witness, which was 1914 and 607. Now, even as a believing witness, whenever I talked about these topics, that Jerusalem had been destroyed in 607 BCE, and that the calculation of dates taken from Bible books led you to the year 1914 as when Jesus was now invisibly ruling in heaven, I was never comfortable with that, particularly because you couldn't prove it at all. For me, standing at a door, speaking with someone, I have nothing other than just to say, well, it happened, but it was invisible. And I knew that if anyone else of some other religion came to me and told me something like that, I wasn't going to, that wasn't going to be convincing to me in any way whatsoever. So I never liked it. So like most witnesses, I did start doing research on this using the publications that we had. And there was a series of articles published in 2011 that went a little bit deeper into some of the reasons as to why Jehovah's Witnesses discredit the historians, archaeologists, and basically everyone else in the world who says that, it was, that Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians at that time. So I read through the articles, and reading it, 
I was like, you know, okay, I guess that makes sense, but why does everyone else say something different? Why are we the only ones who think this? So that disturbed me. This is the point where I'm going to begin to mention some of the specifics as to how my faith in the organization started to crumble. So if you're watching this video as a Jehovah's Witness, perhaps one of my former friends, my family members, if you don't feel that you're ready to find this information out yet, this might be the time for you to pause and perhaps come back to this video at a later point when you feel more comfortable with it. So at this point, I decided just this one time, I'm going to go outside of the research sources provided by the organization. I'm going to go to Google, type in 607, and see what comes up. So pretty much if you do that and you look up 607 on Google, there are really only going to be two things that pop up, or at least two series of sources. The first source is going to be the Jehovah's Witnesses website. And of course, I'd already read everything that was there, but all of the other sources are what I would have considered to be apostate resources. So I decided, well, let me just click on one of them and see what they say. So by chance, the website that I had selected as the first option was a site called jwfacts.com. And I still remember the feeling that I got when I was about to click on the website. I remember as my hand was like kind of hovering over the mouse, you got that feeling uh, super nervous that you were doing something wrong. Your heart started beating hard. You could feel like a little bit of sweat kind of building up that you were just doing something wrong. This was dangerous. But I did it anyway. I had to know. And so I did, went into the website, I read through an article or two, and what I read made a lot of sense. And in fact, it answered a lot of questions as to why historians, archaeologists, scholars, why they all say that Jerusalem was destroyed in 586-587, or give or take around that time period. I'm not, my memory's not terribly great with that, but I think that's what I, uh, what comes to mind. But what was interesting about the site is as I'm scrolling through, reading through that article, I could see up on the sidebar that there was another series of, you know, headings, articles that they had on the website. And I noticed that a lot of the questions that I had were listed on their website. But I was a good boy. I decided to get out real quick because I didn't want to spend any more time there just in case everything was wrong. But what started going through my mind is that everything that I saw there was backed up by references. You weren't just taking that word for it. You could go and look at what scholars and historians say about the matter. But the seed had been planted at that point. So within, I'd say, a week or two, I ended up going back and I decided, well, let me click on another topic and see if they have anything extra to say beyond the research that I've done already. And sure enough, they had done all the research that I had done and way, way more. And as I started reading, 
I could tell after going through a couple of subjects that this was not going to end up in a good place. That there was a lot of things that I did not know about the organization. That I did not know the logical fallacies that they used, the deception in order to make you believe something that might not be true. And after going to JWFAX and, and going through some of the articles on that site, I quickly found YouTube. And in doing so, found several channels that were extremely helpful to me in being able to find factual information. And among those was the John Cedars channel, which is now known as Lloyd Evans' channel, uh, XJW Fifth, and XJW Critical Thinker. I binged through all of it. And the thing that was most shocking to me was that these apostates were not at all what I had been taught they were. The image that you have of what an apostate is as a witness is so completely twisted. Uh, you think that they are people who are evil, who uh, have an ax to grind, they're just angry, they're upset. Uh, they will say anything to be able to trick you, to twist what the organization says. They will straight up lie to you in order to take you away because they want followers after themselves. But after watching these channels, that was not what I was seeing. So relatively quickly, as I was going through YouTube, as I was going through JWFacts.com, I realized what the end result of this was probably going to be. Because so far, every single reference that I had looked up, it was proving to be they were the ones that were right. They were not misquoting things. In fact, I was trying so hard to test. I was looking up every single reference that they had. And in fact, one time I thought I had found a mistake, something that had been misquoted. And so after like five minutes of scrolling and going nuts and thinking, okay, wait a minute, I found something here where they're being untruthful. I then realized that I was actually on the wrong page myself. And sure enough, when I went to the right page, everything was there. And it's one of the odd facts for me that I probably would not have realized the deception of the organization. I would not have started this process had I not already been serving as an elder. Because so many of the things that you see are documents, publications, that the average publisher in the congregation has no idea exists because they do not have access to it. There are letters that are given to elders. There are books that are given to elders that the regular member of the congregation cannot see. It is top secret. And in fact, it's so secret that the elders manual that you have, I know there are witnesses that don't even know that it exists. So this went on for months while I was doing all of my research, binging through YouTube. I wanted to be sure that I did my full research before I even got close to trying to make some kind of a call on this as to whether or not I thought this was true anymore. I kind of figured where it was going, but I didn't know for sure. And throughout the research when I was doing all of this, I had pretty much avoided the child abuse issues. Um, not because I didn't believe it didn't exist, 
but doctrinal things, policies, the history of the organization, those are things that were very easy for me to verify. I could go look up our publications and I could know for a fact what the situation was, what was said, what was written down, because it was right there. And I could find it uh, directly you know, in archives or just in the Watchtower Online Library. But one of the things that got me to start paying more attention to it was a video that was done on Lloyd Evans' channel. Uh, it's an ex-elder series. Again, I knew some of the cases that had been brought against witnesses, some of the court documents and things like that, but I'd never really researched them. But in this particular episode, he was talking to someone who was mentioning their experience of what happened to them when they started investigating the ARC, which is the Australian Royal Commission. So this was a, a commission by the government set up to be able to investigate child abuse within organized, within an organized or among organizations. So this wasn't just witnesses that were brought up in this investigation. There were plenty of other groups, uh, religious, political, you know, otherwise. But in listening to the testimony of what had gone on in the ARC, the one elder started talking about how he was cleaning windows, and when he listened to the testimony of a certain individual, he said he just stopped. And it just shocked him because of what he heard, the, the deception, the lie. And I didn't quite know exactly what he was talking about, since I hadn't really delved too deeply into it. So I decided, well, you know what? Let me go do the same thing. Let me finally sit down and watch the ARC, which was quite a big task because it's hours upon hours upon hours of watching or listening to stuff on YouTube. So I started. started listening, and whenever anything odd was said uh, that sounded deceptive or sounded weird to me as a witness that, you know, that doesn't sound right. Why would God's organization do this or say that? I would go and look up the actual transcript because I wanted to be sure that there was no possible way that these videos could have been doctored and that uh, you know someone had faked some bit of this testimony. So when those bits came up, I went online, had my, cop my PDF copy of the transcript, read through it, and sure enough, every single time, it was real. There was nothing that was faked there. And I basically had the exact same moment that that elder had. Uh, regrettably, I don't remember what the exact moment was because there were so many crazy things um, that were said during, uh, during that investigation. Uh, but I did the same thing. I was shoveling snow. I was just kind of going through shoveling and the moment it was said, I stopped. And that was the moment that I realized I could no longer continue as an elder. I could not support this anymore. My, I knew that it was going in that direction, but I kind of figured my fading process or whatever was going to happen was going to take a decent amount of time. I didn't realize that it was going to hit right there. The ARC broke me completely. Listening to Watchtower's lawyers, elders, branch representatives, 
and a governing body member mislead and lie on the stand was inexcusable to me. So at that point, I knew I was finished and I now had to start my fading process. So I ended up talking to a family member to see what would happen if I brought up that I had some questions or issues about the organization. And you know, I won't go into that conversation, but basically the end result of it was pretty much what I expected. That, well, you just have to have faith. Or, well, these are imperfect men. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Just have faith. And I realized that doesn't work for me. This is the exact same answer that has brought me to this entire situation to begin with. So I knew I had to play the long game to try to fade. But what was interesting is during this time period, just shortly before listening to the ARC, I had had an elders meeting. And in that meeting, one of the brothers, I don't really remember how this topic came up, but it was being discussed of what happens when someone chooses to not go to the meetings anymore and they just leave. They stop going, essentially ghost the, uh, the elders, the congregation, whatever. What do you do? Again, I don't remember the context of this. But one of the elders said, well, if someone doesn't want to be a witness anymore and they just stop going, well, they can go live their own life. There's nothing that we have to do. And I remember sitting there thinking, well, I'm about to test this. So obviously, I wasn't going to go to anyone and start telling them everything that I knew and all of the issues that I had that I had now found out. So I decided to just make kind of a short list of some basic things that I had issues with that wouldn't be too alarming, but would at least make it to where they knew uh, and could accept that I was going to resign as an elder. So I scheduled a meeting with two of the elders, had a, a pretty easygoing discussion, uh, wasn't really anything that went anywhere, there wasn't any kind of shocking revelation going on, but basically let them know at that point that I needed to resign as an elder because someone who had issues with their faith, I didn't feel comfortable, my conscience did not feel right of being essentially in charge of helping other people to be able to build their faith and their spirituality. So after speaking with the elders and with a few other people, I basically made an agreement with them that I would drop the negative research or my research for a year. I would focus only on the positive. I would keep going to meetings, keep going out in the ministry, uh, and keep praying to Jehovah for help and helping me to be able to get over these things as though I hadn't been doing that hundreds or thousands of times in the preceding months uh, leading up to that moment. So I agreed, knowing full well that nothing was going to change. Once you find out what I found out, there is no going back. Now I just want to insert a little sidebar here, just to note the kind of men that these elders were. The congregation that I was in when I left, that entire elder body is one of the nicest, most loving group of men I have ever known. Uh, in fact, it was 
it was interesting when we were in uh, elder school, the circuit overseer was talking about a lot of the issues that elder bodies have with each other, uh, the infighting, the pettiness, all of those kind of things. And I remember sitting there and looking around when the circuit overseer was talking about this. And of course I knew it happened because I had other elder friends, family members who are elders, uh, who, you know, you talk about this kind of stuff, about what happens, and you're always thankful that it doesn't happen to you. But with these guys, we looked at each other and kind of laughed because we were so fortunate that we all got along so well. Every single member of that body, their main concern was helping people, and their love for them really did show. And in fact, when the day finally came that it was time to make the announcement about me being deleted as an elder, they were so nice about it that they actually had me say one of the prayers at the meeting so that the entire congregation would know that me being deleted or stepping down had nothing to do with wrongdoing. So these group of guys were a really, really great group of guys. I, I love them dearly. I do miss them and have no hard feelings against them whatsoever. I know some of you will eventually see this at some point, whether it's months or years from now. And I just want you to know, I love you guys, I miss you, and I know that you were just doing what you thought was right. But no hard feelings on my part. So at that point, uh, after leaving that meeting, and I should mention, they did tell me that, uh, you know, going out in the ministry, speaking with people, I could completely avoid the topics that I didn't want to talk about, uh, such as 1914, which was one of the ones that I had brought up. Because even as a full believing witness, even as an elder, I tried very hard to avoid ever saying anything definite about 1914. I always kind of worded it in such a way that it was not definite. So basically saying like, oh, well, the Bible gives us evidence that this happened. Uh, but I never, I was very uncomfortable with saying that Jesus began ruling from heaven in 1914 invisibly. It just, it never sat well with me. So topics like that, the elders did mention to me that, well, you don't have to talk about those topics. Uh, you can just uh, avoid those in the ministry, but just keep doing everything else. And in fact, uh, even previous to that, they did ask me if I wanted to keep serving, or they wanted me to keep serving and just maybe take some downtime to kind of fix myself up. So another nod to, to how nice those guys are. They, they weren't out to get you. So there was a measure of relief for family and friends, basically thinking that you know, we've dodged a bullet. But even so, it was still slightly awkward because your friends and some family members, they knew that you had gotten pretty close to the edge. Now they didn't really know what was going on inside my head, that I was basically knowingly planning a long fade, but I was trying to make it as nice for them as possible. So time goes by, several months, and it got to the point, uh, probably four months later, that I had three field service experiences in a row. So Saturday after Saturday after Saturday, where topics were being brought up, which were the topics that I was not going to talk about. And for the first two, I was able to dodge around them, be able to kind of word it in such a way that 
we didn't really have to talk about it. But on the last one, there was a guy who wanted to talk about a whole slew of things that I disagreed with, that I did not necessarily believe, and I knew there was no way to get around it because he basically set a um, set a, a schedule, a, a notes, things for us to talk about the next time. So I knew at that point there is no more avoiding it. So I got home and realized I'm done. I can't do field service anymore. I cannot stomach going to someone's door and lying to them, teaching them things that I don't believe. How furious would I be if someone from any other religious group came to my door, started teaching me things, got me to believe it, only to find out later that they actually didn't believe it and were just doing it, going through the motions. My conscience would not allow me to do that anymore, so I had to stop. So at that point, I let some people know that I was no longer going out in the ministry, and basically, uh, I was just told, go ahead, finish up your research then, and make your decision. So I picked up my research and finished probably what I would consider to be the last 20% of it. Okay, so he already found out uh, not to be true, but I tell you, they get a lot of vulnerable people. They, they, they catch a lot of vulnerable people. Sometimes they haven't been, you know, in a family where the parents were uh, Christian. They were Jehovah Witnesses or whatever. But my thought is with that particular religion, I can't have anything to do with my family because they didn't join that same religion. Now, I don't think so. And uh, a few other things. Yeah, if you get out of it, you you do. It, it, it reminds me of the Amish in a way. And I know it's a bunch of lies in there, much more than what he's talking about. Yeah, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And they come to the door lying, talking about they in Jesus and, and this what Jesus were. Yeah, lying. And how do you get a cult together like that? That's a C-U-L-T. Yeah, I can't be part of no cult. I got to be free. Yeah, because when God say go, I'm gone. When God say stay, I'm staying. When God say do this, I'm doing it. Yeah. And I can't be bothered with nobody, a human being trying to control me. No, I'm controlled by the spirit of the Lord. Uh-uh, I won't be able to do it. Listen, we're going to our next song of the morning, and uh, the studio is open. If there's anyone have something they would like to share, please feel free to press that one and come in. It may be about something uh, we talked about earlier, we heard earlier right here today. So feel free to press that number one and come in.
want to say good morning to you, Sister Mary Ann and Sister Simone and uh, my God, baby, Laura. Uh, good morning, Mason. Good morning, Deborah. And uh, good morning to you, uh, Sister Diane and Sister Angela Foote and Sister Anna Lee Foote. Good morning to you, Sister Sylvia Joe Jones and Sister Sharon Slayton. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. God bless you. God bless you. Kim Hop, good morning to you. And uh, good morning to Sister Yvonne. God bless you this morning. Good morning to you. The main man, he had to run out this morning. He had an appointment. Brother Lewis, God bless you today, Brother Lewis. And God bless Sherry over there. Good morning, Sherry. And uh, good morning, Brother Jermaine, Brother Anthony, Brother D, and uh, Brother Mike Hops. Brother George West Perry, Brother Lee Hamilton, good morning to you, good morning to you. Brother Cal, and uh, good morning to you, Brother Justin Gilmore, and Brother Marquez Griffin. And I'm going to say good morning to Brother Frank, because I believe he's coming back. I pray that uh, God raise him up off his sick bed to come back. Yeah, he was good to me over the years, and uh, he helped me with several things, and Brother Anthony was one of them because I didn't know how to be a man, but Frank knew. <laughs> and uh, Brother Anthony could come to me for prayer or, you know, to talk and tell me things, stuff like that, to vent. But uh, Frank knew about being a man and how a man feels and all of that. So, but Frank worked with him. And uh, I'm grateful for that. Next thing I know, Anthony was in the truck around the world. I said, look at this here. Yeah. And so I'm thankful. Unto the Lord, but D, but D been with me almost 13 years, you could say, yeah. Yeah, I remember when he first came, I came from uh, Blog TV, and uh, after that, and, uh, Brother D followed me right over over here, and uh, started coming, and Brother Anthony kept coming, and Brother D, yeah. And every now and then, D will pop up, I see that 706, I said, okay, now, you know it was about time to show up, they let me know. Yeah, but I pray for us. I pray for this Jesus in the morning, faithful few, this crew, our brothers and sisters overseas. And, you know, we just got things of widowers and uh, those that are incarcerated, those in the military. We got things that we just pray for because this is what God gave me. And I'm thankful unto him. Yeah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I can do a jig, as they say. Right off that, right there, I can do a jig. Look here, 708. I'm going to dedicate this one to you this morning. And uh, when we come back, if no one have anything they would like to say today, I will pray us out. So we're going to this one, 708, your dedication.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Mr. Al Green. And uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. He jazzed it up a little bit, but uh, believe me, I love the Lord, and I, I know he's doing the best that he can today. But uh, 708, God bless you this morning, and I just wanted to, I felt that, to dedicate that one to you today. Hallelujah. All right, Brother Anthony, I'm coming at you right now. Good morning, sir. God bless you. How are you? Uh-huh, I can hear you. It's kind of low, though, but we can hear you. Okay, it's low. How about that? Uh, it's about the same. Wait a minute. I'm going to turn up a little bit, too. Okay, go ahead. Hello. Uh-huh, that's right, better. Man. We got Let's it. Cut my headset on now. But, uh, okay. This, this, this morning, good morning to you, Mr. Barber. First of all, I want to give God thanks for Wake up this morning, allow me to sit another day. Thank you for life, up and strength, keeping me in my right mind. Thank you for acting in my limbs. I thank God for where he brought me from, where he's taking me at, and what he's doing in me and in my life. And it is best to be here another morning and uh, in the numbers with my brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, getting some good food this morning spiritually. So I just thank God for another day. And just thank God for being able to hear y'all voices and y'all hear mine. And just continue to pray for me, my strength in the Lord, that I'll stay focused. And let God continue to lead me, direct my path, and I'll do the same for y'all as well. Amen, brother Anthony. Amen. We thank God this morning for another Tuesday morning. Thank you for bringing us all up through the morning up until this present time. He's faithful. He's faithful. And uh, I heard a songwriter say, I call him faithful. Faithful is his name. Hallelujah. What I think on that, see, because I like that kind of carry on right there. I like faithfulness. You tell me you're doing something, it's done. If you said you were going to be there, you're there. I'm going to mute your mic, but Anthony, now loud. I know you're probably in your truck. But uh, I like that. If you say you're going to be there, you're there. If you can't make it, you call me and say, hey, I'm running late. Or, hey, I can't make it. I thought I could, but I can't. Faithful, faithful. Yeah. And that's the way the believer should be, faithful. If you can't call right away, as soon as you get a moment to call, you call and explain, hey, I would have called you earlier, but I wasn't in a position where I could call you right away. But as soon as I got in a position I could call you, I'm calling you to tell you I couldn't make it, I tried, whatever the case may be. And we should support one another. Yeah, we we should support one another. If this, this next round of COVID or whatever they calling it or whatever, I would have four Sunday fellowships, and I would invite everybody to come. And at them four Sunday fellowship, oh, my goodness, he moved in the house. Yeah, house packed out. Standing room, uh-uh, no, no room. People coming. Because, see, they don't know what God going to do in that hour. Some people looking for a word from him. Yeah, some people seeking to be delivered. Yeah, from whatever, and they don't know what he's going to do in that fourth Sunday fellowship. It, it, it usually starts at 3 o'clock, uh-huh. sometimes 4, depending on the month. And this gives people, and it's on Sunday, it gives people time to get out of church, 
go eat, change your clothes if you want to, or relax a while, then come on back. And it's not like regular church. This is totally different. We have guest singers, uh, guest speakers, all oh, it's just so much wonderfulness. I love it. I, at any time I ask my pastor to use the church, he let me use it. Why? He know God going to come up in there and bless it. And then when I leave the church, going to have a few dollars. Yeah, because I give an offering to the church, you know. I don't bring no money out because that's not what it's about. I don't do things for money. I do it to be blessed and to have others blessed by Almighty God. Uh-huh. That have all power. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I wish we all could be in one of the four Sunday fellowship meetings together. This man said, hey, Sister Barbara, I said, hey. He said, they tell me that four Sunday fellowship is something to be at. He said, I'll be at your next one. And sure enough, he was there. One Sunday, I looked up, he was at the church. I said, wow. Yeah, because see, some people, wherever God is, that's where they want to be. Yeah, he wasn't there because of me. Uh-uh. He wasn't there trying to get with me. He was there seeking the word of the Lord. And when I was speaking, the pastor had me to get up and speak that Sunday. But I was speaking, that man was having a fit. Oh, he enjoyed himself. Altar call, he came to the altar, all of that. Yeah, some people real about their walk with the Lord. They're not playing no games. They're not going to give way to their flesh at all. Yeah, I'm going to keep it moving in Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, if there anyone else have something they would like to say, please feel free to press that number one and come in. All right. All right, so we'll pray out. And we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. We thank you for all you has been said and done. We thank you for your word this morning, O oh God, because your word is yet a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Forever, O oh God, that word is settled in heaven. We thank you this morning that we can come walking according to your word. Hallelujah. We can come boldly before the throne of grace because that's what your word said we can do. And we know your word holds true. Hallelujah. Father, bless our walk in your word. Bless our obedience walking according to your word today. Father, I ask that you would bless your people. Move for them in a special way. Uncommon blessings, uncommon miracles today, oh God. January the 31st, 2023, in Jesus' name. We know you're able to do it for them. Hallelujah. You have all power, all in heaven and earth. Hallelujah. We thank you right now. Father, as we depart this morning, bless our going out and bless our coming in. Meet the need in our lives again today according uh, to your glory. Hallelujah. According to your riches in glory by your son, Christ Jesus. Bless our brothers and sisters overseas. Lord, whatever they're standing in need of, I ask that you would give them more than because you're more than God. We ask it all in Jesus' name this morning. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. 
I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today, January 31st, 2023, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we thank him, and uh, we're going to this one right here.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. We prayed out already. And uh, we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning. Have a blessed day. Have a blessed day. Go out and do something fun today. Yeah, January the 31st. God moving for us all today. Go do something to have some fun. Ha, <laughs> ha.